0: this is cruise radio if this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything it is to always have travel insurance get a quote today at tripinsurance.com broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in jacksonville florida This is cruise radio. cruise radio hey how's it going my name is doug parker thank you so much for checking out this episode of cruise radio a review of regal princess today And as always, Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. A couple of news stories out of the Carnival Cruise Line camp this week.
1: Yeah, so on Tuesday, Carnival Cruise Line notified travel agents and guests that the new Mardi Gras and the soon-to-be refurbished Carnival Radiance arrival dates are delayed into 2021. As a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, the delivery of Mardi Gras to Port Canaveral was pushed back to February 6th of next year. And remember, we've talked about this a million times, Mardi Gras will be the first LNG, liquidified natural gas-powered cruise ship in the Western Hemisphere, and it will also have the first roller coaster at sea. And then Carnival Victory, which will be renamed Carnival Radiance, is still in Cadiz, Spain, awaiting word on when the $200 million dry dock refurbishment will resume. Hopefully, said the cruise line, work will begin again next spring. Carnival is, of course, it's an old routine, notifying passengers and travel agents of all the cancellations and refund or future cruise credit options. Because of the Carnival Radiance delay, the cruise line will then send Carnival Breeze from Fort Lauderdale up to Port Canaveral to take over Carnival Radiance itineraries. And this will begin November 8th of this year, Assuming it does start, and also canceled as Carnival Magic's transatlantic and European departures from March 13th of next year through May 2021.
0: I was going to book that transatlantic on Carnival Magic, and then all these cruises started getting canceled. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to put any more money out there.
1: Yep, and good luck getting over there.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Two cruise lines, competing cruise lines, have joined forces to develop healthy protocols.
1: Yeah. So this is interesting. Norwegian Cruise Line and Royal Caribbean are truly strange bedfellows for sure. And they have formed what they call the Healthy Sail Panel. Sail is S-A-I-L Panel. So started nearly one month ago. This panel is co-chaired by Mike Levitt. He's a former governor of Utah under George W. Bush and also the founder of an investment group that bears his name. And the other co chair is Dr. Scott Gottlieb, and he's the former commissioner of the FDA under the Trump administration. So, the goal, along with several noted doctors and PhDs in public health and epidemiology, is to develop a list of health and safety protocols so that they can present this list to the CDC. And of course, the goal is to pass the CDC's requirements so that they can safely begin cruising again. It's also going to be an an open source list so when they have it developed, they're not gonna just, you know, sit on it and not share it. So they will share this. And the panel hopes to present their guidelines to the C D C by the end of August. What was interesting
0: to me is they asked yesterday during the press call why Carnival Cruise Line wasn't involved with this. And they said because that would put too many chefs in the kitchen. But it makes you wonder Carnival has more ships than both of them combined, so they could give some good data too.
1: Yeah. And surprise, they didn't say galley.
0: There you go. <laughs> hey Um And speaking of cruise guidelines, the EU has released some cruise guidelines for cruise lines sailing over in Europe.
1: Yeah, they have. So the European cruise lines are working with an agency called Health Gateways. And again, is to develop protocols that will enable the cruise lines in Europe to resume cruising. Some of what they hope to put into place may be similar to what might happen here So here's some of their suggestions, and they're all fairly logical. So the suggestions include wearing masks in many public spaces, keeping enough staterooms empty so that they could isolate up to 5% of passengers if needed. And another idea, and this is kind of interesting, is to allow one person in the pool per 13 feet. Now, I'm not sure how that would work. Um, Recommendations also suggest shorter rather than longer cruises, That in turn would limit the number of port calls, right? Um, And then the group also states that there should be plans in place for a partial or complete ship evacuation and the repatriation of all passengers and crew from any port along the way. Now, they're saying onboard activities could be organized by age groups, and they're thinking of scheduled times for dining, embarkation, and debarkation, And this is also already written down. It's recommended, and this is interesting, but I think we've talked about this, Doug, That is that any items in the stateroom that can't be cleaned and disinfected in between cruises should be removed. Mm -hmm. And of course, that would include things like the in-room coffee makers, which are usually pretty yucky anyway, (laughs) mini bar items, magazines, things like that. Um, And then this is kind of strange. They've suggested that dining, might be segregated by having people dine with their, um, their group of family members, assuming that everyone's traveling in, you know in, with family members. So I'm not really sure how that would work with solo cruisers. but you know all we can do is just wait and see and you know this is what they're putting out there so that Europe can begin cruising
0: we're hearing these protocols guidelines everything that these organizations are releasing whether it be the individual cruise lines themselves or these big organizations that are providing guidance a lot of it is pretty much like common sense right it is you would think so yeah
1: that's they're just writing down what we mm-hmm. all know it's, yeah it's, i don't get it
0: because they, you know they come out with these guidelines and it's like okay there's nothing new here the only thing that's really new is that you're writing this down now
1: yeah, instead yeah, of okay. saying, "Well, here's what we suggest." Yeah, not, and they all have panels, of right? Exactly. Esteemed doc, and they are they they are people that are brilliant in their field. Yeah. I will give everybody credit for that.
0: Hundred uh, percent. So Royal Caribbean has delayed one of their new ships.
1: Yeah, they have, and again, nothing new here. Royal Caribbean has just announced that the launch of their new Odyssey of the Seas will be delayed the new ship was supposed to launch in fall this year but now the cruise line plans on sometime in April 2021 and according to an email sent by Royal Caribbean not only has the pandemic impacted shipyard operations but also the supply chain so that makes sense and as a result all sailings between November 5 and April 17 of next year are canceled and again as we've reported before guests guests whose cruise was canceled will receive a 125% future cruise credit. And they can also request a refund to their original form of payment. But again, keep in mind that can take up to 45 days at least for the refund to appear. And Royal Caribbean also has this other thing they call lift and shift. So with their lift and shift program, they can keep your money while you rebook your cruise in the same stateroom category as well as the same itinerary and within a four-week window of your original cruise, within a year. So, yeah, Odyssey of the Seas is delayed now.
0: So it seems like these days, the ships are either repatriating crew members, they're in cold layup, they're delayed, or they're sold.
1: Yeah, that seems to be the, the plan here. So last week, we talked about Costa Victoria that was sold for scrap. This week, PO Cruises sold their 20-year-old ship, Oceana, No buyer nor the selling price was mentioned by P&O Cruises. And so it makes you wonder what Carnival Corporation ship might be next. And I have no guess. Maybe you do.
0: I have no comment. I'll just say, dig around for yourself on the cruise broker websites and you'll see what ships are for sale and which ones are leaving. But did you see that Royal Caribbean is getting rid of, or I guess Paul Montier rather, um, is getting rid of both Sovereign of the Seas and Monarch?
1: Well, I, you know, I'm partial to the old Sovereign. That was, that goes back for me a long way. And I used to work on the Sovereign. So yeah, um, that would be sad, but and then, you know, next would be the Majesty, of course.
0: Yeah, I can't believe that one's still sailing.
1: Yeah, that's when I took to uh, Cuba, like a month before it was Cuba was off limits. So well, I have you know, good, great memories from the Majesty.
0: Yeah, at least someone does. Listen, our question is from Howard. We have a couple of cruises coming up, and we see that California has COVID trending in the wrong direction. Our final payment is due July 14th. While our deposit loss would be minimal because we booked the early saver rate, would we get credit for the cruise if it cancels?
1: Well, hi, Howard. And uh, I just have one question for you. Are you a gambler? So with final payment for you just around the corner, you really need to decide if you are a gambler or would you rather have some cash on hand these days. So the cruise you're referring to isn't scheduled to sail until October So there is a very small chance it could still depart San Diego in October. You know, who knows? But and the cruise line actually is sticking, still sticking with their suspension ending on September 30th. So you can keep that in mind. So my question is, if the cruise does happen, do you still want to be on the very first sailing? Just to repeat, you really have three options the way I see it. Number one is to cancel before payment and take your $150 hit, which as you mentioned was because you booked the early saver fare for three people. Uh, Your second choice would be to pay the final payment and hope that the October 4th departure is canceled, in which case you would get 100% future cruise credit. And based on the fact that you have booked a shorter cruise, five days or less, you would receive an onboard credit of $300 per stateroom for your cruise. And now there are some contingencies, meaning you'd have to book your future cruise by May 31st of next year for a sale date before April 30th of 23. Or, three, you can pay the final payment. And if all is a go, is Bon Voyage in October. Just my thoughts, you know, I'm, I'm thinking this is, I think that's very generous of Carnival to offer these stateroom onboard credits based on the amount of days that you're sailing. I don't know how long that's going to last for. Nobody really does. But those seem to be your three options. So, you know, all I can say is best of luck in your decision. Nothing's written in stone if they're going to continue this or not. Um, And, you know, do you want the money now or do you want to just invest it in a future cruise or speculate that you'll get an onboard credit if it's canceled?
0: decisions decisions before we hop here sherry what's the weather like in alaska this summer cold rainy
1: it is you know the last two summers that i was up here um it was 80 and either cloudy or sunny but it was beautiful out and this summer it's what july 8th now i mm-hmm. think we've had 3 days of of full sunshine where it's gotten above 65 degrees one day it shot up to 85 and the next day the high was 57 and cloudy and drizzly you got to remember, this is the rainforest. This is the Tongass National Forest, and apparently, from what everyone's saying, this is typical summer weather: drizzly, high fifties, low sixties, with an occasional day of sunshine. So, welcome, <laughs> welcome to Alaska. Now it's it's different up north. You know, Fairbanks yeah. it, it is is dry and sunny a lot during the summer. So it just really all depends where you're located. But
0: I was yeah. thinking of you earlier today when I was leaving the office and. I was on 95 South, and there was an accident. All lanes were blocked, and a half lane was open. And I'm like, I bet Sherry doesn't deal with this stuff up in Sitka.
1: No, we have one main road, and from the center of town, it's seven miles one direction and seven miles the other direction, and then the road ends. <laughs> <All> right <laughs> and well, there they you have, go. They have hiking trails at the ends of the roads, but uh, and we're only like what maybe corner, you know, three streets deep from the ocean, and then you go straight up into the mountains. So very small place to live
0: (laughs) been talking with sherry laskin from Cruisemaven.com. thank you sherry
1: thanks doug
2: if you have an amazon alexa enabled device
0: ask her to enable the
2: cruise radio news skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from cruise radio
0: a big question we get at cruise radio is how do i know if i need trip insurance simple answer if you're getting on a plane taking a road trip or getting on a cruise ship you need to have travel insurance Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. So, a few months back, Scott went on an 11 night cruise to the Baltic on Princess Cruise's Regal Princess, and he joins us on the line. Hey, Scott. Hey, Doug, how are you doing today? Good, man. Good to talk to you again. And I can't wait to talk about this Baltic cruise because this whole region is a very seasonal region. So, I'm very stoked you got to go over there. Uh, Before we get to the Baltics and talk about Regal Princess, let's take a few steps back here. Uh, what made you want to take this 11-night cruise? Because you're over what, on the West Coast?
2: Yeah, we're in the California area. And so one of the reasons that I wanted to go on this in the first place is, at that point, I had never been on a European cruise. So for me, looking for really good deals that were out there and wanting to see what was available, this came up on the radar. And so I was like, hmm, okay, well, talk to me about this. The We actually found a travel package, which included airfare, uh, a pre-stay at a hotel, all the transfers, onboard credit, and a free balcony upgrade. So, I mean, you can't really go wrong with all of that stuff. So we were really excited about
0: that. So there was like no logistics on your end. You pre-purchased everything.
2: everything. No, yeah. In fact, uh, when we actually arrived uh, in Copenhagen, they l- literally, right when we come off of the airplane and we, we got to uh, – r- through passport control – we had people from Princess in the baggage area. They took us to the transfer. They took us to the hotel. They had their own private Princess concierge area where you would check in and schedule the transfer for the next day to, to, to the ship. Um, so that was part of our pre-stuff. But they literally were hand-holding us every single step of the way. It was amazing.
0: What is it like logistically going from L.A. to Copenhagen? Like, uh, is it like a 12-hour flight?
2: It, it was long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was it was a little long. We actually um, we actually went through British Airways and they were pretty mm-hmm. decent. Um, uh, it was just it was just a very long flight. I'm one of those people that can't really sleep well on flights. So mm-hmm. when we arrived, I was like, OK, I I, I I don't want to necessarily take a nap because otherwise it's going to throw off my entire schedule and, and trying to get all that stuff in order i would have a terrible time uh, over the next couple of weeks while we were there so it would just it would just suck or well, not two weeks but 11 days so
0: yeah. well and that's the thing right like when you get over there your your body just wants to go to sleep because mm-hmm. you know like for me i can't sleep on a plane either so you want to go to sleep but then next thing you know you're going to sleep and you're waking up at 11 p.m wide awake
2: Exactly. And that became a problem when I was on the cruise itself. But mm-hmm. I'll talk about the insomnia stuff as well <laughs> and some of the resources actually the ship had available to me in order to be able to help with that process. Well, let's so jump. That was
0: yeah, let's jump right to Regal Princess then. So, how was embarkation in Copenhagen?
2: Embarkation was great. Um, they took us from the hotel, uh, Princess did, um, on a bus to get over to the docks. And it was probably at that point the most massive ship I'd ever seen up close. It According to the statistics, I think it's supposed to have about a capacity for about 3,500 passengers, but it's 19 decks tall. It's massive. Uh, you come in, you go through the atrium. It's just the, the atrium on the Princess is split into two separate stairwells, and it's beautiful. Um, the process itself actually didn't take more than I would say about 20 minutes once we actually got to the port. It was very well managed. Uh, there weren't really people that were stuck in line for any length of time, and it was it was it was a breeze. I was very impressed
0: there's an intimidation factor with a lot of North Americans who are cruising out of Europe you know language barriers and all mm-hmm. of that uh, did you experience any language barriers, whether it be you know your transfer to the hotel or at the Copenhagen airport or during embarkation? Uh, not really
2: so much. Um, one of the gentlemen that was hired by Princess in the baggage area he needed us to slow down our speaking a little bit, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, everybody spoke English very well. And, um, people that were there working for princess were actually, um, they, they were patriated from England. They were patriated from a a number of places, um, from Germany where again, the native languages aren't just German or, you know, the, the native language of Dutch. It's Mm -hmm. also, they were able to speak very, very fluently with multiple languages. And so it just made the transition and the, and, the embarkation process much smoother.
0: And you mentioned when you board the ship, you get into the atrium. So give us your first impressions of Regal Princess.
2: Stunning. It looked like you were getting into, a, like almost the Ritz Carlton or something like that. I mean, everything was bright, polished. Um, there, as I said, there, there, there are two... Spiral stairwells that go down on either side of the atrium um, that are both like crystalline, and you just you know it, it goes down all the floors. I'm used to the the ships where you have one large stairwell that goes right down the center. This was a little different as far as that goes, but it helps to break up traffic too. And you notice that's a theme that they kind of do with a, a number of features in this ship, including the buffet, which I'll talk about in a little bit, uh, where you don't have just have the one group of things that go on you actually they actually split it up into multiple sections and it just makes it for easier flow so i think for uh, from in terms of traffic it was just a much smoother process and it did it made for a much easier time
0: i feel like that class of ship too i mean i've been on dozens of ships and that has like the largest atrium i've ever been on
2: it's stunning. It's yeah. huge. It's Amazing. yeah. It, it and they have um, musicians that are in the atrium. Uh, just in the days that we were on there, um, there was a there was an opera singer. There was a cellist, uh, like sprint a string uh, quartet of uh, people. There was a, um, there was an American uh, girl who was playing a guitar and just singing, uh, it, it, you know, electric guitar actually. Um, and it was really really good. So I mean. The one thing I keep hearing from my colleagues and my friends who have gone, or who who are thinking in terms of what ship to go on, and they're a little reticent about going on to Princess Cruises because they think it's meant for only older travelers Mm -hmm. i i I think that's a fallacy I, i i strongly disagree with that this was a this was a really fun cruise i would and i would easily take princess again anytime it was just such a wonderful experience but yeah getting back to the atrium it was laid out really well um they also have something in the atrium which is kind of interesting besides your um main help desk area and the stairwells um and a bar they actually have a um Place called the International Cafe, which was my one of my favorite places on this ship. It's open twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred and sixty five days a year. And you don't just get like little sandwiches or stuff from there. You can get pretty much an entire spread of food. We, there was like one one night at three a.m. in the morning we got there, and we were having like bow tie pasta and chocolate mousse, and like oh, we'll have a panini too and stuff like that. So I mean, they had a pretty good spread just from that one little area. So, um, the Adrian.
0: Awesome. So you make your way to the stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book, and what did you think about it? So our our package
2: came with a free balcony upgrade, and it was one of those that was like sold as it could be an obstructed uh, balcony, but it wasn't. It was actually a really good. Um, upgrade uh, the the room was lovely plenty of closet space there was a ton of closet space available um, it was a really nice motif it was the colors were like a like almost a, like lighter browns and mauves and stuff like that so nothing really like in your face like you would get some from some of the Uh, younger ships where you might have like a bright purple or pink or crazy, you know, colors. Mm -hmm. It just made it much easier to sleep. And one other thing, the bed. Oh my gosh, Doug, I'm telling you the bed in this place was amazing. It was like my bed from home. I've been on other ones where it's almost like sleeping on a cot. Mm -hmm. In some cases, this was a full on King size bed. It was plush. It, the, 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 the linens were amazing. It was fantastic. It made for a really good sleeping experience.
0: As far as the space in the cabin, in the bathroom, and everything like that?
2: Super. Mm-hmm. Just a, a very ample amount of space. We actually had more space than we knew what to do with.
0: That's always a, a good feeling. Let's let's talk about the dining on board the ship. And we'll start in the main dining room. So what time dining did you have, and how was it over the 11 nights? So we had any time dining. And uh, when
2: we initially got – this is a really good story. Okay, So when we initially got down there um, – to the symphony dining room we met the person at the who kind of greets you on the first day and um, while we were supposed to go to a different dining location he said oh no no you you can come in don't worry about it and i sat down and you know we had we had a pretty good experience and the first day we had everything from like mango sorbet to salmon uh, tiramisu it was a it was a really good experience then Every other day after that, we would just go by and I'm like, OK, well, the guy will probably remember us. And he's like, oh, friends, welcome back. You know, how was your dinner the other night? And, and we were like, oh, my gosh, this guy, like he was sharp. He knew exactly what we looked like. He knew exactly where we sat. He knew, And like the guy's not taking any notes or anything like that. And there are hundreds of people coming into this main dining hall every single day and nonetheless he's remembering us just from memory and um it was it made for an amazing experience you know he introduced us to the the head waiter and and the maitre d and the person running the place which led which led to us later actually getting um uh reservations at the winemaker dinner which is a enclosed area located directly in the symphony um hall but Man, Doug, I'm telling you, some of the best food I have ever had was in this main dining hall. From nice. a, chilled, a chilled apple soup to a surf and turf with steak and prawns, um, I had like a chocolate lover's delight, which was this ma- which was a chocolate dessert that had a bunch of different things on it, to like baked goat cheese, to a collection of cakes one night, and ceviche and butternut squash soup, which was probably some of the best, and of course. A- You have to have your baked Alaska.
0: Oh, yeah. Now, let's talk about the – how was your experience in the Horizon Court? Of course, moving Mm -hmm. forward, it's going to be a little bit different uh, than we're used to. But how was your experience while you were on board?
2: So I'm used to buffets being kind of like a racetrack, like a horse racetrack where Mm -hmm. you go once around the whole thing, and that's pretty much it. I mean that's how a lot of buffets are depending on where you're going. This was very different for us. They had the buffet broken into about – Eight different locations, all of which had different things to offer, um, so it made for an easier traffic flow. I really enjoyed it. They had a lot of really high-end luxury items um, in the buffet, so whether you're going there for breakfast or lunch, um, we we didn't actually do dinner there <laughs> because we were so amazed with the main dining hall that we just we we couldn't we couldn't not do that. Um, they the customer service, by the way, in every single one of the locations we went to stunning. Absolutely stunning. Um, the only place that we had eaten that I wasn't just the biggest fan of, um, and that, that wasn't to say it was bad, uh, was Sabatini's, which is the pizzeria that was there. And I didn't even have pizza. I think I had gnocchi or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I would say if I was going to give every play, every one of these places, a score out of a 10, I would have probably given the, um, the Horizon Court Buffet, probably around an 8 or a 9. Wow. Um, the International Cafe definitely gets a 9. Um, the Symphony Dining Hall would definitely get a 10. And then the Winemakers Dinner Location um, within the main dining hall, if I could give it higher than a 10, I would. Um is probably about a s- 6 or 7.
0: One of my favorite areas of the Horizon Court is that bakery because you can kind of sneak in there and people can't see you loading your plate up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was fantastic. Everything yeah. we had there was fresh. Everything was wonderful. They had a regular amount of of stuff that came out on a regular basis, and you know, just the people in general uh, not not just the staff, but even the people who were there they weren't like butting in your way or doing anything. And it seemed like the staff was helping to manage the the customer flow mm-hmm. very easily. So when you had people that were clustering in an area you would have a member of the staff come over and say oh we, ha- we have this over here as well you know come on over here and and it was very inviting
0: talk to us about the specialty dining
2: so over at Sabatini's we made reservations um I wanted to give it a try because I had heard so many wonderful things about it um but when we got there you know we, we were the only ones in the place we usually tend to eat, like to eat relatively early if we can and so we got into there and you know, my husband had a pizza. I opted for the Gnocchi. And the, the portion sizes were smaller than I would have liked. And they didn't taste as good as the stuff I was getting in the symphony or even in the Horizon Court. So for me, that was kind of a, a little bit of a miss. But was it better than things I get back here in the States? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> absolutely.
0: <laughs> nice. Now, did you do the Crown Grill? We did not do the Crown okay. Grill, Now and how about during i know princess does that uh what is it like a fish and chips type uh lunch on some sea days did you do that
2: um uh, we did not we okay. we, we were <laughs> if we were awake for lunch um <laughs> we sometimes had it with our um shore excursions okay. that we had in some places
0: did we cover all of the food because i know 11 nights is a long time and there's a lot of food on board
2: well, the one thing I do want to highlight for any of your listeners who are interested in whether or not to spend money to actually do the winemaker's dinner with a lot of people, it is hands down – I, I th- the only word I can think of for using it is magical, okay? This was our – this was our anniversary dinner. Uh, we had met a, a bunch of people up on the smokers deck because uh, my husband was at the time was a smoker, and so we had asked them if they wanted to join us. Um, it was about thirty-five dollars per person to do this, so obviously it doesn't come with your, you know, your normal purchase. But man, okay, just to give you an idea. It's a four-course meal, and every single one of the courses is served with a glass of wine. Um, the starter was like a shrimp starter. Um, the first course was like a beef and potatoes. Our main course was a probably the biggest filet I had ever had in my life, um, with, topped with foie gras. And then for dessert, they gave me an apricot uh, Napoleon. Nice. But beyond that, somehow – because we didn't say it was our anniversary. Somehow they figured it out. And no one in our party had mentioned that it was our anniversary. They figured it out. They brought us a second dessert on top of that, with a bottle of wine, and gave us all a limoncello, um, which I mistakenly thought was a shot. Um, so, <laughs> three of those later, and I am uh, ready to go for the night. Well, you, so, can, you yeah.
0: can shoot those though. I mean, they're they're approachable. You can down one.
2: Doug, I'm I'm much smaller than you, so my <laughs> alcohol tolerance is little to none. Um, I'm not like Tommy over at Always Be Booked. So yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I'm suffering from this at that point. But, no, it was fantastic. It was a really wonderful dinner. I highly recommend it to anybody.
0: Nice. Now, let's talk about the entertainment on this 11-night cruise. What did you think of it?
2: So, we did not have any tickets for any shows. Majority of our time was spent conversing and socializing with people. Um, So, our main entertainment was shopping uh, during this time. Uh, So, uh, they had a lot of really interesting things that were going on. We did actually go to a couple of – information sessions about some of the ports that we were going to. And so for, in terms of getting knowledge and that information, I'm a professor. So one of the things I like to do is I like to sit down and get more information about the places I go. So that to me was time well spent. And in fact, you know, some of those things were tied into discounts over at their shops and things like that, which was great. But seeing, for example, um, one of our shops is going to be St. Petersburg and seeing someone actually making one of these nesting dolls on the ship, you know, they actually brought a, an artisan on the ship in order to be able to show you how this was done and how also how to recognize fakes when you get to the port eventually was really, I think, very helpful. But as far as additional entertainment, um, you know, they had the atrium musicians and they had a bunch of musicians uh, strategically placed throughout the ship at various different points that you would get either off the elevators or um, at the atrium or on the open deck area. It was, it was, it was smart. It was really clever the way that they maneuvered that. So even if you didn't take advantage of the shows and the open entertainment or, or anything like that, there was still ample entertainment all around the ship.
0: What was the casino like as far as the smoke situation in and around?
2: So the casino on this ship is located just below the main shopping area. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going there only once during the entire trip, which is kind of weird because I'm normally a gambler. My husband was there definitely – Uh, later on in the the evenings, but um, it's difficult for me to gauge smoke because I'm so used to him having been a smoker. So for me, it was definitely tolerable. Um, There wasn't anything I was getting as far as residual above the area, but I only went into the casino I think once and it really wasn't that big of a
0: deal for me. You mentioned that you were downing lemoncello. Did you have the drink package? (laughs) We did. Okay. It, came,
2: it came with a basic drink package, which was part of the which was part of the um, whole thing. We normally had the wine and beer, and that was totally available to us. But getting the lemon jello and things like that, you know, you pay a little bit of a premium for. Or um, my husband drinks whiskey, so that's another thing too. Um, and then on one of the days, uh, one of the at sea days, I actually opted to go for a wine tasting, uh, which was six glasses of wine, uh, mm-hmm. three red, three white, for thirty five dollars per person. No big deal there. Um, and then high tea as well, which were not covered under the drink package, but both of those were a lot of fun
0: wow very nice now speaking of C days how were they as far as crowds and congestion
2: great yeah everybody seemed to have their own agenda on the C days there wasn't a, like a lot of crowding i want to say maybe at w- maybe one time during one of the days there was a little bit of congestion in the atrium area but apart from that i mean like we spent one C day um i did the wine tasting my husband went to the salon and did his thing um Second C day, we did high tea. I wanted to experience that for the first time, and that was amazing. And then the third C day, we both opted for like a couples massage, which was really kind of cool.
0: Very it was cool. just
2: easy after that. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm.
0: Let's talk about your ports of call. Give us a port of call and then a highlight from that port, and then go to the next one. Absolutely. So our first
2: port after leaving Copenhagen was Oslo. And Oslo is really great for if you're if you enjoy nature a lot, uh, they have beautiful fjords to be able to see. We actually had a couple of um, highlights there. We went to a um, like a glass blowing exhibit uh, while we were there. And probably one of the funnest things for me, at least, was going to a Viking ship museum uh, where we could see that uh, some recent artifacts that they had dug up and and gotten to see those in person. So that mm-hmm. was kind of neat. After that, we went to the next port of call, which was Rostock, which is in the former East Germany province. Um, there, we had an opportunity to go to Schwerin Lake and Castle, as well as St. Mary's Cathedral. Um, Schwerin Lake and Castle is where is one of the many influences that Walt Disney did, or he, that he got when he was building Sleeping Beauty's Castle for Disneyland, and Disney World, and, and that type of thing. He got a lot of influence from a lot of places in Europe, and, and some many of them German castles. But even uh, before we Even went on the um, ship, one of the places that we know that he got some influence from was the gardens over in Copenhagen, uh, Tivoli Gardens, Mm -hmm. uh, where they actually have, it's basically a Hans Christian Andersen um, inspired uh, uh, different... Theme park, and it's really kind of cool. We we enjoyed that. Then our next port of call after uh, Rostock was Tallinn, which is in Estonia. There we had an opportunity to go to Old Town Tallinn, which is up on a hillside area, um, where the religion is a lot uh, more Orthodox. And then we had the opportunity to go to uh, Kodryog, which is uh, Peter the Great's Summer Palace. And that is decked out. And man, I got to tell you, it's it's gorgeous. Um, it's not the one that a lot of people think about, because that one's coming up. We did that one when we went to St. Petersburg. Mm-hmm. But it's still got the bright colors that influenced um, a lot of Peter's inspirations. Um, for those of your viewers who don't know the history, Peter the Great was one of these czars that came from Russia, went to all the way to France and got a lot of his inspiration from the palace of Versailles, but he himself was actually an architect. So he took part in helping to build his summer palace there in, in Kadriag, which you can actually see, they'll they'll show you a cornerstone of where Peter the great actually, you know, helped to construct his own palace by hand. And then um, we had a two day stay in St. Petersburg, Russia. Now this was amazing. I had never done a two day, Excursion. And by the way, um, little pro tip for your listeners out there please, please, please don't wash your, don't ever wash your passport. uh, Take it (laughs) out of your pants. Um, We had a little bit of a challenge when getting into Russia that almost scared the living hell out of my husband. Um, Apart from that, while we were there um, on day one, we went to, we had, Uh, front-of-the-line tickets for the Hermitage Museum, which was spectacular. Uh, We also went to the Church of the Resurrection, which is also known as the Church of the Spilled Blood, probably one of my favorite places on the face of the earth, one of the best religious places I've ever been. This place, um, when you normally go to churches and cathedrals throughout the world, you'll see uh, tapestries and paintings and things like that. In a climate like Russia, it's very difficult to do that because that stuff decays really rapidly. But with this specific church, the way they had it set up was all of their artwork was done up in tile work and mosaics and with like silver um, – uh, candelabras and things like that. So it was just stunning to look at. We also went to St. Isaac's Cathedral and um, the Cathedral of St. Peter and Paul's, uh, and had a really good meal there while we were while we were over in that area. Then on day two, we went to the big one, which is Petrohov Palace. That's the one where you'll see the gardens that are done up in like gold fountains and things like that when you go to when you go to Russia. Mm-hmm. it was incredible. We also did a canal cruise of the River Niev while we were there. We also went to the Yusupov Palace, which is an inner city palace where we were treated to an impromptu tenor group that came on and and sang for the entire the entire place. Um, that's by the way the location where Rasputin was assassinated. Uh, so that was an interesting historical moment. And then we went to a historic, um, historically traditional Russian restaurant called Troika, um, where we got to see an actual performance, an actual musical performance from people in historical Russian garb. And it was really, it was, it was an amazing opportunity. So that was Russia. Then we went the next day to uh, Helsinki, Finland. And this is where we had a wonderful time. It was a very different feel from Russia. We went to the town of Porvo, which I packed my backpack with a bunch of candy I bought there, Mm -hmm. which was amazing. Um, We also went to a plantation house in order to have lunch. They treated us to lunch there. And we also got to see uh, dressage sources doing exercise there, which was really kind of cool. And to see them do laps, And then we went to a place in Helsinki, which was a modern church called the Church of the Rock, which is very fascinating. It's very contemporary looking, but it's built out of the husk of a one large granite boulder that has been carved out. So it's definitely earthquake proof. That's not a problem, but it's it's incredible. And then finally, our last. Uh, location that we stopped in with their ship was Stockholm Sweden. And there we had a chance to go to the city hall. Uh, We went to the Vasa museum, which is a a sunken ship that was off of the harbor of Stockholm for many years that they finally brought up and put back together. It's stunning. And then finally we went to the Royal palace uh, while we were in Stockholm as well. So those were all of the different ports we went to just a great cultural experience.
0: I want you to go back to St. Petersburg and tell us the passport story.
2: Okay, so here's the here's the story. So my husband and I are going through passport control because um, with Russia, and if you're coming on a ship, you have a limited visa. You can be there for 24 hours if you go through that channel. So I get through passport within like five minutes. The lady looks at my passport. No problem. I move on. So I'm waiting for him to go through, and she's looking at his passport, and she's looking him up and down. And then she looks at his passport again, and then she makes a call. And she's speaking in total Russian, so we have no idea what's going on because, again, language barrier. And so out of nowhere comes her, what we assume is to be supervisor, wearing a Russian military outfit with a automatic weapon at his side. And my husband's like, he looks at me with his eyes wide open. He's like, Oh my God, I am going to die here. They're going wow. to find my body in here. So they, the guy literally takes out a magnifying glass from his coat, looks at the passport very much. And was like looking my husband up and down and finally waves him on. And then my husband comes out of that. And he's like, I need to smoke in a bathroom and not necessarily in that order. I just need to go right now. <laughs> so that was the whole thing. So again, to your viewers, take, please, please, please take very good care of your passport. If it needs to be replaced, please replace it to avoid any of these things. Second day coming back on the second uh, day of the St. Petersburg uh, mm-hmm. stuff, we had an opportunity. We, we just presented them with a visa, and that was very easy to go through the okay. second day. But the first day, he almost had a heart attack.
0: <laughs> so you make your way back to Copenhagen. Uh, how yes. was disembarkation?
2: Disembarkation was very good. It took us about thirty minutes to get off. Uh, total, uh, they immediately ushered us onto transport, um, uh, which took us directly to the airport, and that was it. It was a very very fast disembarkation process. Very smooth. Nothing wrong. Our biggest wait was actually at the airport, where it took about four hours before my flight. That, if if I have any qualms, it was just because it was so efficient. We had so much time to wait at the airport.
0: Do you have any first time tips to offer anyone sailing the Baltic or Regal Princess?
2: Absolutely. Well, first off, I want to say Princess is extraordinary in every way. I mean, from the room attendance, um, the staff at the gym, making sure like at one o'clock in the morning, I had (laughs) ample towels and the gym equipment was clean. Um, The MDR staff was fantastic. I can't, I have never been on a cruise with better customer service. One other thing, um, and this is primarily geared towards your, Um, listeners who are smokers and sometimes they get kind of that weird rap where they're kind of ushered into like a side area and you know you smoke outside and that's it the way that princess had it on this ship was very interesting they put all of the smoker sections together in the i think it was um deck 17 at the aft of the ship and they had the place had um ample chairs for any, for a number of people, because again, smoking is more of a social activity. So you'll have a lot of people that congregate to that area. Now there is a place on the inside where they have like a cigar lounge that's enclosed, but on the outside, this gives people a view, even if it's the aft of the ship. Uh, it's attended by a person who can come from the bar, which is the deck below. Um, they regularly clean the ashtrays. They um, maintain water, coffee, and tea for everybody on that area. It made it for a really luxurious experience. So I think really what I'm trying to say is customer service-wise, they knew what they were doing. And it really was incredibly stunning. I was very impressed. I would say, again... Um, Take pictures of your passports uh, ahead of time just in case for whatever reason uh, something gets lost. Uh, There was was an issue or there was a concern that there might be some pickpockets in St. Petersburg, so we wanted to make sure that we were prepared for that, and again – really, really important, because this is something I did hear that happened there. Do not, and I mean, do not let other people touch your camera unless you're comfortable with them. If someone on the street wants to take a picture of you, again, be cautious of something like that. They could end up running off with your camera. Or on the flip side, if someone gives you a camera to say, hey, take a picture of me, and oh, guess what? The camera's broken. Now they want you to pay for a new camera phone. So it's like... Oh, man. You know, but but that happened to, uh, I think, someone on the ship. But apart from our trip, the ship itself was amazing. The customer service was amazing. The food was incredible. And surprisingly, you walk it off a lot. So we actually came back and lost weight. So I was impressed nice. with that.
0: Well, okay. Yeah. I like that.
2: Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? Oh, my gosh. The MDR and the food selection was just beyond i mean don't get me wrong the itinerary was very very good and i enjoyed it but the exemplary customer service i i I have a thing about customer service i have been part of customer service for many 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 years and and i enjoy it with with many ships they try to do either the nickel and dime thing or the hard upsells a lot of time it didn't feel like on this ship there was that they maybe asked you if you want to do something once and if the answer was no they didn't bother you from that point moving forward. It was just a real delight as far as that went.
0: Okay, very good. Kind of a bonus question here, Scott. What's the thing you miss the most about cruising? Oh, man, I knew you were going to ask me something like that. Um,
2: so we had a, we actually had a cruise that was planned earlier for this year uh, on the vision of the seas in the Caribbean because we haven't actually been on uh, any cruise to the Caribbean yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just the ability to get away, the ability to breathe in the ocean air to be pampered um i I know richard sims made mention of this i think a little while ago on your show you know when he goes on a cruise he just likes to make sure that he's having the best time of his life and you know let people pamper him and and take care of him i agree i'm kind of the same way too Uh, i i like i like that there are ships that are geared for pretty much any kind of activity that you want whether it's uh you're with the kids and you're doing the you know water park or the roller coasters or whatever the case may be but for me i just like to be able to enjoy myself relax get but i want to get away from my house and i think this is one of those things where i got so far away from my house this was a great opportunity for me just experience new culture great food extraordinary customer service the whole experience is just spectacular
0: when you were talking about uh, how during the shows, when they were going on, you were kind of just socializing and shopping and everything. It made me think, like, that's the one thing I really miss about cruising right now is just talking to people during that time of night.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I think I agree with you. Yeah. And some we actually made some extraordinary friends. I know that – I've heard other people talk about it in in the cruising community where, you know, you've gone on a cruise once and you make those friends almost for life. Um, And like all my friends that I have in cruising are either people I've met on cruises or people I've met through various different podcasting, especially Mm -hmm. my podcast. And so, I mean, in terms of that, I enjoy I really enjoy the camaraderie that we get, the tips and tricks that we get. On when we whenever we travel, it just makes it just makes it a much smoother experience, I think, for everybody because we all learn from each other's mistakes, but we also learn from the best practices
0: as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. Final thoughts of Regal Princess. Uh,
2: I would definitely take the ship again. Um, if if someone said the Regal Princess was docked in Long Beach over here in California, I would <laughs> jump on it because I'm telling you, it's it's got that big feel, but it's not overwhelming. It's mm-hmm. got the customer service where you know you're being taken care of, and I, I got to tell you, man. Doug, it's 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 really enjoyable when you find a ship that you really really like and it resonates with you. Yeah, we've gone on several cruises and I just I don't think I have experienced anything like w- the best service I've ever had and it it came from Princess and so I was just floored. Uh, again, the quality of the food, the quality of the staff. Every, they really did. T- oh, one other thing I forgot to mention. Um, on the when, after our anniversary dinner, when we came back to the room, they had the staff had decorated our room when we came back to say happy anniversary. And again, we didn't tell anybody that. It's those little things that really make for this just spectacular experience. I hope everybody – I hope every single one of your listeners gets the opportunity to enjoy that level of quality and experience.
0: You just mentioned that you had a podcast. Where can we find that?
2: Oh, yeah. You can either find my podcast or you can find me on YouTube at the Professor Travel. I'm available at either location.
0: Scott, thank you so much for stopping by and giving us this review of Regal Princess. I sure appreciate it, my friend.
2: Oh, no problem, Doug. Anytime. You take care, man.
0: All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got here, buddy. Ba, 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 da, ba, da.
2: Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network.
1: Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer!